0: Yo, yo, welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things, and we are going to change up our monthly roundup episodes instead of just diving into what happened in April. uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Ramadan, and specifically Ramadan and diabetes, uh, with our very own in-house content creator, Eritrea Musakan, uh, our resident expert on Ramadan and diabetes. What up? Hi,
1: guys. It's good to be here, like I am every month with Rob. Um, I think it's interesting that this month just kind of worked out where... We're talking about something that kind of hits really close to home for me, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, it's something that, you know, one of my good friends, we were talking about this maybe uh, two years ago, we, on another podcast that I uh, co-host, we're talking about Ramadan and the spirit behind it. And I think um, what the general public knows and what people who practice Ramadan and celebrate Ramadan like the way that they look at that are very different. And I think, uh, the spirit behind it is super incredible. And I think just like, you know, doing without and, uh, you know, being grateful, all of those things are, you know, I think just good daily mindfulness practices anyway. And so to see those come through culturally is great, but also like there's that, that hurdle as always with diabetes, uh, how do you, how do you participate in something like this? And, uh, to me, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something like this type of lifestyle, uh, activity really, or, or, lifestyle adjustment, uh, that is obviously very cultural. It's very similar to like, you know, the problems that other people face, like when they go to weddings, like what do you eat? Uh, you know, how do you dose for those things? Uh, when you go to summer camp, when you, uh, you know, do all of these different activities that are sort of outside of the norm for a good reason, you have to adjust with your diabetes and Ramadan is no different.
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, Diabetes exists, we have it and life continues like it doesn't just stop because you got a diagnosis. So it's important to be adaptable to those situations. Um, I think I was diagnosed really young so I was eight when I was diagnosed and I, I just kind of like a little bit kind of gave up on myself, I just didn't think that I was allowed to even participate. and someone wrongfully told me once that I like I wasn't allowed to participate at all because I would take insulin. Like someone was like, mm. taking injections is breaking your fast. I think I was like 13, and I was just like, great. I already thought I couldn't do this. Now it's confirmed for me. Um, but as I got older, I started like realizing that some diabetics do fast. You know, obviously, I know lots of Muslims, um, and because I'm a Muslim, alhamdulillah. So it's just like when you hear about those things, they definitely make you think. And I think that there's so many different ways to fast. Like it's not just about food during Ramadan. And I think that's the misconception Um, because Ramadan really is about the revelation of the Quran. Like there's a time in Ramadan, the last 10 days, I believe it's last 10 days that we call Laylatul Qadr, where it's like a very holy time of the month because the Quran was revealed to Prophet Muhammad during this time. So that's really the concept I think behind Ramadan is to glow, grow closer to God because this, when the message of God was revealed to us, you know, fully, but people jump on the, you can't eat thing. And then that's just all they remember because I feel like that's kind of traumatic to some people, maybe like the thinking of, Oh my God, you can't eat all day. And I know that most Muslims who are like, yeah, I can't eat. People are always just like even water. And I'm like, they're like, yeah, like we can't, they can't drink water. Um, But there's so much more fasting involved. You're fasting from all kinds of things. So,
0: right. I think, you know, it comes, it comes down to sort of lowest common denominator, which is most people on uh, during Ramadan fast food you know during the day right so mm-hmm. that is i think that's what sticks with people that's the easiest to understand from an outsider perspective but like you said it's not just food it's not just restrictive eating or drinking it's giving up things in order to go closer to god to spend spend time you know during this holy time
1: also like there's a lot of action items for you to do? Like reading the Quran is a big one. Like it was revealed during this time. So like taking the time to like really read it from start to end, because it's a pretty long book, friend. It takes some time, you know, also to try to stop consuming as much media. I think that's the hard one for me because like I love TV, Um, but it's about (laughs) really clearing your your mind of all these things that are constant distractions for us as Muslims. Like as Muslims throughout the year we're expected to pray five times a day. So like five times a day we're checking in with our creator as it is. That doesn't change during Ramadan. It's just more check-ins, more mindfulness, more reminders that we are not of this dunya, we are not of this earth, like later on, we're going to another place. And it's important to keep that in mind, not just during Ramadan, but all times of the year. And I think because we don't get those big holidays like Christmas and Halloween and blah, 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 Ramadan's really special to us. So um, I think when I told, uh, something that came in my DMs was like someone messaged me and was like, so you and your husband don't have sex during Ramadan. And I was just like, the fastest throughout the day, that's all I'm gonna say about that, the fastest throughout the day, from sunup to sundown, if people are married, like that's different. So there's, there's so much explanation, in the Quran about Ramadan, like it's all there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like, like you said, there's the information is there. If you really wanted to do the research, you could just Google it. It's a, uh, it's a pretty great resource for finding out information
1: sometimes, but like there's some stuff that's hidden or like uh translated in different ways. or nuanced. So, um, Exactly. So that's if you guys have read the blog that I put out for diabetics doing things about Ramadan, I, that's why I included footnotes if I could, or I included quotes because I feel like, like me, I have a, so I have a Catholic mom. So I wasn't really given the option of religion, but all of the religions were kind of explained to me and I was baptized. So it's like, I grew up very much in the Muslim church as a Muslim, Alhamdulillah, but I know about all the other religions. So to me, they're so similar in so many ways. And so much of the, scripture, if you will, is the same. So I think that for us as Muslims, like when we remember the Quran, we remember those uh, special things in the Quran that are about us. It kind of is the same as the Bible for you guys. Like when you're like, you know, that quote about the Valley of Shadows and stuff like things that make you feel good about God or make you feel not alone. Like it's the same thing in Islam.
0: Well, and I mean, really it's what almost 40 days. And uh, so in in catholicism lent very similar uh you give something up you, you know try to be more mindful and it ends with a very spiritual week with easter right so yeah there's so many parallels i think throughout especially the larger religions in the world uh that are you know very parallel and they co- you know they come from the the same place right like you know ishmael and, and, and abraham you know what i mean yeah and, and, and isaac so i mean it's like you know, I, I don't know. We can we can talk about the ideological pieces of it, uh, you know, till we're blue in the face. What like for you today though? And we're gonna go through your blog, which I really enjoyed, and I I read very early in the morning while I was traveling, and so it kind of hit me like very. It was very personal, and so thank you for opening up and sharing. You know, your did family. you cry? I did not cry. I'm not that. <laughs> uh, nobody needs to see a white man crying <laughs> in the airport at six a.m. Hey, um,
1: long as but, you know that.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, the like today. So you talked about, uh, you know, somebody had asked you about you practicing Ramadan or celebrate It's celebrating Ramadan is really what it is. Right. So yeah. Today for you with a person with diabetes, you've got a CGM and an insulin pump and they talk to each other. And like, so how do you, what is your Ramadan? You look like most of the time, uh, today.
1: So I don't fast. Like I don't at all. Um, I included it in the blog, but when I was learning about Ramadan as a diabetic, I was told that like, I'm not supposed to fast and that like basically putting myself in a bad spot, like risking a hypoglycemia, a bad low, or just risking my life or risking my health for Ramadan was like not allowed because essentially the way it was explained to me was like, God has allowed these, given you these allowances for a reason. Don't disobey him. Like don't take those allowances for granted. Personally, I have a Quran that's in English and Spanish. So I try, uh, I try to read it throughout the month. And like, just, I remind myself, especially like at nighttime during iftar, when Hassan's around, I try to do that. A typical day of Ramadan for us looks like this. So Hassan does typically fast. Um, This year's been a little bit harder for him, but typically he does fast. We wake up early. uh, We do the first prayer right now. Fajr prayer is like it's not that late in the day because it's spring. So I want to say it's right at sunup, which is like it changes every day. So like we have a calendar in our bedroom that like tells us what time the prayer is every single day. Um, before he prays, I make food for him so that he gets a chance to eat. And then we pray together. We pray Fajr together. Um, and then he gets ready for work. He starts his fast. He doesn't eat. I continue to eat my meals as normal. Um, and then I just really try my best throughout the day to meet all of my prayers. So it's Fajr, Doher, Asr, Maghrib. And Asia, the five. So I try to meet all my prayers. I don't do it every day. I am not the best Muslim. That's also why I don't really like talking about this stuff because I feel like I'm such a, I'm not a good representation. Is how I feel sometimes inside. But anyway, so I try my best to meet all the prayers. I try my best to eat my food on time and take my insulin. Like I feel like during Ramadan, I'm way more strict on my diabetes because I feel that if I'm allowed to eat, then I should be doing it as best as possible. And I also try to be healthy, so it's not like I'm not overindulging. I'm not eating all the things that, you know, I want to get because they sound good. I'm just eating the things that I need to stay healthy, to be okay, whatever. Um, Huston usually comes home from work around like 6, 630. Sundown, when suns, once sundown happens right now, it's like at eight o'clock, it's been changing. So I think the lot, I think yesterday was like 808, 809, something like that. As soon as the sun goes down, he breaks his fast. He'll eat a date drink some Rosa, which is like the pink milk thing. I don't really know how to explain it to you guys. I'm sorry. You have to Google it. Um, It's like a pink drink that they add water or they add milk to. It's really good. Um, And he'll break his fast and then we'll pray. And then after we pray, we'll have a bigger meal. So that's when he'll have his big dinner and I'll eat my regular dinner or whatever. Um, Sometimes after we pray, like it depends if my dad's here, we'll sit where the prayer area is in my house for a little bit longer and maybe talk about like different duas or different like uh, stories from the Quran. My dad really likes telling stories from the Quran. He loves talking about the Quran. So we could sit there forever and then we'll eat. Sometimes most people who are fasting all day, they don't even eat a lot. Like you would think that you haven't eaten all day. So you're going to eat this little date and you're going to be ravenous. No, bro. Like I watch them and like my dad will have like three little samosas and like a tomato. And he's like, I'm full. And like six glasses of water. And he's like, I'm so full. So it, I guess it, it kind of is me supporting my family a little bit more during Ramadan. Um, I try to make meals for my dad because him and my mom are separated. So my dad is by himself. So I try to make meals for him that he can just like pop in the microwave and eat for himself while he's there. Uh, We do have iftar together. So we'll have dinner together on Sundays with my dad and then we'll have dinner together with Hassan's side of the family on Mondays. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of what a typical day in Ramadan looks like for me. And now that I'm married and stuff.
0: No, it's really cool. And and thank you for sharing. I think like the family element is super important as well. It's kind of being close to each other community as well. And I want to talk a little bit about that because in your blog, you talked about, you know, being around, uh, you know, the, the community. And you mentioned that you went to uh, Islamic school prior to being diagnosed with diabetes, but uh, your parents transferred you to public school so that you could have access to a school nurse, which obviously like, like you said earlier, Uh, and I think you mentioned this in the blog as well and and it stuck out to me because it's not only like uh, in the quran but it's also like in the bible of like god's not going to give you something that you can't handle right like he'll support you through it and um and because of that like you know you you felt that um you still felt that like i think you you mentioned like allah was mad at you uh and you talked to i felt
1: abandoned i felt abandoned i mean at this point i was diagnosed when i was eight so at this point i'm already i'm already biracial like i'm already not even biracial multiracial black people don't like me when i'm little mexican people don't like me because there's a the whole racial aspect white people don't really talk to me so like i already feel like i don't fit in anywhere i barely spoke english like when i was eight i'd only been speaking english for like three years so there's that aspect and then it was just me and my younger brother so i just i just felt like everywhere i went i was alone like No other black people, no other Mexican people, no people that get along with me, no other diabetics. Like, it just felt like everywhere I looked, and if I looked up, I was like, bro, why are you doing this to me? Like, what did I do? What did my parents do? I felt I spent so much time asking myself, did I do something wrong? And I think that Mm -hmm. when you're a small child, to be so ingrained in religion, like, so ingrained, it's hard. Like, it's hard because, like, I had the Catholicism aspect of it, which is the mea culpa of everything is your fault. So, There was a lot of confusion there for me as a small child and also learning how to be a diabetic. Like it just was a lot. So I didn't understand why he was giving me so many trials at an early age. Now that I'm older, I'm definitely thankful. Like life isn't easy for anybody, but as a child, it was very, I was perplexed.
0: Well, diabetes makes you grow up a lot faster than... That, you know, than normal kids, you know, you, you're all of a sudden really aware of your own mortality and you're taking care of yourself. You're acting like a pancreas for yourself, right? Making decisions that you, that you didn't have to make before and that your friends don't have to make for themselves. Um, and that's, that's difficult. That's a huge adjustment. And then I think, you know, like you said, when you grow up religious, like both of us did, uh, and you're trying to be a, a good Muslim or a good Christian, or, you know, try to do right and you feel like something's holding you back, and it's also part of you that you can't control, that that can feel really isolating.
1: Absolutely, yeah, no. um, I've I've said this before on the podcast, I think, or maybe I've said it to you, but there's definitely something about eldest daughter syndrome, like when you're the eldest daughter of immigrants, because like on top of that, I was the primary, like even though I'd only been speaking English for a few years, I was the primary English speaker. I was the one helping my parents fill out paperwork. I was the one... Taking care of my younger siblings, like it it just was a lot. So that's why I was kind of mad at God. Like, I was, you mad at me? That's cool. We have beef. Like, I'm mad at you too. So when I was asking all of those questions, um, because after they took me out of Islamic school, um, my parents still kept me in Sunday school. It was really important to my dad that we speak Arabic, which, alhamdulillah, I don't really, but I can understand what people are saying to me. Um, So we stayed in Sunday school, and I got really lucky that my Islamic teacher from regular. Islamic school, he was in our Sunday school also. Um, His name was Brother Hassan. We remember him very fondly. I think he's still alive. So if he hears this, shout out to you, sir. Um, He made Islam so fun. He wrote songs for us to learn and would tell us all these things. And when I asked all these questions that like, is God mad at me? Like, why is he doing this to me? To be told that God's not mad at me at all, and that he actually thought about me and he like considered me before I was even ever born, like that thinking makes you feel a little bit special like in a way it's like oh wow like he remembered me like i'm actually not just Mm. forgotten or even like the bad because in islam you know like every religion culture is different so in every culture people believe different things right and uh in my blog i wrote about how he told how brother hassan tells me that there's gonna be times when I get older that I won't be able to pray, right? And I don't really explain this in the blog, but I'll explain it now. As like when I did get older, someone told me like, as women, you're not supposed to pray when you're on your period because it's dirty. Someone explained it to me that way, and my dad later explained to me is like, absolutely not. Like that's absolutely incorrect. Like that's not what it is at all. God wants you to have a break, and because the person who had told me was like, you can't even touch the Quran when you're on your period, like that's disgusting. And my dad was like, you can touch the Quran, like that's not accurate. Like it says so right here. So. There's just so much stigma and shame and cultural things that can come into play that can be a bit confusing for a kid. So I'm glad that I had someone guide me and tell me like, no, you're good. You're not even supposed to be fasting. I have such a strong foundation of what I'm supposed to be doing during Ramadan. Like that to me, that's not lost on me that I feel okay about Ramadan. I'm not sad about it. Like, so I know so many diabetics who feel so sad about it. So there's that.
0: Talk to me a little bit because, I mean, you said, you know, so many is, is some of that just because of diabetes stigma in Arab culture? Do we want to talk about that?
1: It's not so much stigma. It's just like this assumption that you're not fasting because you don't want to, or this Mm. assumption that you're not fasting because you're a bad diabetic or this assumption that you're like, you're not willing to risk your life for God. Like it's just because truly that's, that's what happens. And I think I, me and my husband talk about this, but And and it's it's also in a Hassan Minhaj special, but like in Islam, the big thing and in the culture is a big thing is what will people say? What will people say? What will Mm. people say? People need to mind their business. My dad used to straight up tell people like, "I'm paying for zakat for my daughter. Like I'm feeding a village in Africa because she can't fast. So mind your freaking business. Like leave her alone." So I think that there needs to be because in because I know that we value modesty and we value respect and we value being kind to one another but for some reason within our own community we don't do that instead someone will call so-and-so and and be like did you hear it is not fasting this year like why 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 you don't even know my life or my situation so i just really try to mind my business as much as i can during ramadan and support the people who are fasting um I don't know, that's really all I can do. Like, I see how my mother-in-law is, who's also a type two diabetic, and how much she cares for her family and feeds them and takes care of them, and she doesn't fast either. She's been a Muslim her entire life. She's from Pakistan. Like mm. so it's just like there's so much judgment in every religion. It's it's just the communities are like that. So I don't think that's around diabetes stigma. I think that's just people being mean.
0: Yeah, and I mean CS Lewis I think said this about Christianity I'm sure it's true in Islam as well is that the, the main problem with Christianity is Christians because yeah. we because we're people and we because we're people we make mistakes and be, and we are prone to you know the sins of the flesh or what have you so it's like you know we gossip we're mean to each other we don't see the full picture you know all of those things are true of people and you know when people get together that you know they butt heads they they're they have differences and that's just sort of part of being a human i guess humanity man it's i
1: mean it's intense it can be
0: i think though too like i think you also compare yourself you know comparison culture is, is is everywhere so you know you want to believe that if you're making this big sacrifice and you know not eating during the the sunlight hours for over a month that you know you're going to get something because of that and then you see somebody who also believes what you believe and they're not doing that like i i think that there could be some just sort of whataboutism uh that kind there's of there's so many in. caveats
1: to that like think about it because okay so i'll tell you a small story when my when i was younger and i lived at home and i was already a diabetic my dad would fast And if something bad would happen and I would start to tell him like, dad, this happened. Like I got in trouble, whatever. He would immediately hold up his hand and be like, stop. I am fasting. I do not want to break my fast because you cannot be mean to people while you're fasting. It's part of the thing. Like you have to remain respectful. You have to remain nice. And if you are mean to people, you just broke your fast buddy. Like that's
0: right. You're fat. You're fasting from those like you're fasting desires, which is, you know, being, you know, mean or, you know,
1: unkind backbiting is a big one in Islam we do a lot of it all everybody knows we do a lot of gossiping but backbiting is a big one we're not supposed to do that like I I think I was telling my dad something like last week he was like stop don't tell me you can't tell me right now tell me later and I was just Mm -hmm. like oh yeah you're fasting I'm not even supposed to be talking about it because technically I'm doing my own kind of fast so it's just constant mindfulness during Ramadan that you are a Muslim that you are grateful that you are thankful and that's basically the idea around it if you kind of eliminate food
0: it's really interesting. I had, I had a conversation for the first time with a, uh, a man, uh, who practices Islam and he has diabetes and he's followed me for a number of years. I think he had replied to like one story a couple of years ago. And yesterday he responded to the Ramadan story and he was like, Oh, this is really cool. Uh, I'd love to read more. I was like, cool. I sent him the link to the blog. And, um, cause you know, people sort of sometimes disconnect that diabetics doing things in my platforms are the same, but, um, he was like, oh yeah, you know, I wear a Medtronic pump and so I'm able to use auto mode during the day. And, and I do fast, uh, previously I wasn't able to before I had a CGM or a pump. And he's like, I think it's really dangerous to do that. You could have like really bad highs or really bad lows. And you just don't know because you don't have that option. He's like, but now I'm able to fast really easily during the day. He's like, unfortunately when I break my fast, because I've been getting less insulin, um, my insulin needs go up. So I have to over." Uh, he's like my carb ratios. He's like, I have to take myself out of auto mode and I have to kind of do a manual, like at 135% basil is what I think the number that he used. And I was like, look at that. Like you figured it out. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I do it. it. It's, it's cool to know, you know, what the, what, what's happening in my body. I'm mindful of that. And he's like, I'm also able to do something that I couldn't do for a long time. And I feel like a better Muslim because of it. I just felt like that was a really, I I don't know, because you have this experience and because you were able to write this really personal and and very good story, somebody else, it it resonated with somebody, which is great, you know, and it's just cool to be able to see people with diabetes are everywhere. And we're, you know, some of us will never face the problem of how to figure out Ramadan. uh, But, you know, many of us will. So, you know, I think, you know, knowing and normalizing that there's different ways to do this is so important. And, and also just to be like, Hey, if somebody is trying to figure out diabetes in Ramadan, you know, maybe they'll be able to find this blog, this podcast, what have you, and, you know, get information that they need.
1: Yeah. We, um, we had a takeover happen last year with Muhammad from Palestine in Gaza. Yeah. Muhammad is fasting. Like Muhammad say, shout out Muhammad, good friend of the pod. But like Some people do do it. And I have no judgment for these people. If you want to do that, may Allah give you all the rewards and may you reap them on the day of judgment. But like for me and mine, this is how I feel safe. And I think everyone should be allowed to make that decision. And we should just support and love one another. Whatever decision you come to, hey, I want to fast from food and I can do it safely without hurting myself. Takbir, like I'm happy for you. I'm so happy, you know, so um with that with all that being said like I just I wish everyone the best Ramadan and um I know that this last year has been so hard this is our second Ramadan during COVID um so another year where we can't really gather at the mosques uh, together or really celebrate feel safe but we're I think I'm, I'm thinking for Eid that the maybe some of the mosques will be back open and things will be back to normal um my favorite thing about the Irving Majid is during Eid they would have like they bring horses out and we'd be like little ride the horses and like they have a whole fair like cotton candy like straight up like little kid fun stuff so i don't know if for anybody listening if you have like i don't know a bad stigma about muslims or you just think that like you know we're not normal like bro we like to have fun we're normal people we just it's all the same like we're all people so yeah it's all love
0: yeah and you know let's be fair most of the people who listen to this podcast are not muslim and they may not have um muslims or uh, people who or no Muslims, or be know friends them, with right? them. And I think, yeah. um, I I was very lucky early on. I've told this story before, probably on the pod. But uh, when I spent, you know, that five weeks in the Middle East, uh, in Bahrain and Afghanistan and Kuwait and all these places, rich Muslim heritage, and you know, going to getting to go stand in a grand mosque, you know, one of the I guess five or six, uh, you know, throughout the Middle East, like these pillars of Islam, it it was really. Impactful and stuck with me as, uh, as like a very reverent spiritual place, and uh, also really respectful and uh, open and inviting. And I just remember, I'll never forget, like feeling so welcome there, and it just made me r- really remember, you know, how you know Muslim people in America are are not always welcome. And I remember meeting a guy in Singapore, um, <laughs> in the Dior store. Um, and, uh, he was like, we were just chop- talking, chopping it up. Um, and he found it obviously like new, me and my buddies were from America and he was asking about America and he's like, you know, can I ask you something? And I think it was 2015. He's like, uh, he's like, I-, I don't, I don't mean any offense. He's like, but if my wife and I wanted to come visit the United States, like, do you think that that's safe? And it, it took me a back a little bit, like it kind of, and I was like, you know, uh, at first, like my first response was like, oh yeah, of course it's safe. And then I was like, you know, maybe in some places it's not, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, if, if I was you and your wife and you and your wife really wanted to come to the United States, I would recommend visiting like New York or California, you know, uh, and you know, b- big cities, uh, that are melting pots of culture. Jersey. <laughs> you, you say what
1: Jersey, there's so many Arabs <laughs> in Jersey. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or, or Irving. Right. You know, uh, but I, I think, you know, it's it, just those places that are, I think, more of a melting pot and more of a, you know, a port city, so to speak, so that you get sort of the, the Western experience, but with a lot of other cultures infused. But it really made me stop and think that, you know, especially even in the years after, you know, in, in the past four years, especially like being Muslim in America is, is, a, is a burden. And I think it carries a huge stigma along with it. Um, And, you know, people are unfairly treated. It's definitely one of the toxic side effects of western culture
1: it can be a burden especially because of what happened in 2001 because our government decided to do things that the way that they decided to do things and islamophobia is so real like i don't think people i don't think people consider the impacts of what they're saying and how making light of other human beings culture dehumanizes them as a people so when you like the fact that people think muslim is a race Like, I've had people walk into me like, oh, you're Muslim. So you're from Jordan. What? Like, what? It's a religion. Like, if if someone says, hey, I'm a Jew, I would not assume you're from Israel. Like, I'm not going to. Oh, where are you from? Like, so I think that there's been a miseducation of the American public about Islam. And there's been a misrepresentation of what Islam may be, because the people who blew up those towers at 9-11 are not Muslims. Like those people are fanatics. Those people are weirdos. Those people are not like you cannot be a Muslim and say you love Allah and kill people. That's not that's not doesn't rhyme, doesn't vibe, jive, whatever. So I think that when we say that there's a burden to be a Muslim, I would say that that's inaccurate. I would say that it is a burden that the Americans were educated the wrong way because being a Muslim is a blessing. When, pe- when it- people ask us in Islam, are you a Muslim? Immediately the answer is alhamdulillah, yes. Like thank God I am a Muslim. Like it's it's literally the default response. So I want us to be careful when we say it's a burden to be that because in our religion, we believe that if you die as a martyr, like if if I was murdered because I died for, somebody killed me because I was a Muslim, I'm going to heaven. And like, that's not a burden for me. Like for me, that's a blessing. I I died as a martyr for my religion, whatever. So. I want I just want to like say that cuz I don't want any muslim people to come for you cuz I don't I don't think you meant it that way. No. Um, but it is unfair that things are the way they are. I've told the story on the podcast of why my family went to Germany when I when before I got diagnosed is because yep. 9/11 happened and the masjid got literally shot up. Like literally someone came to a mosque where children pray and shot an AK-47 through all of the windows of the ISI masjid on Esther's Road. Like that happened. So all my and all my family doesn't live here like all of my dad's family lives in germany and cairo like nobody lives in america but us why because it's not safe to be here all the time Mm. so that's a real thing for some people and i have my brother and i have asked my dad before like why don't we live in germany because germany is really cool they let you do all kinds of stuff there you become a real citizen and people aren't getting shot every day so it is something to think about like it is something that muslims have to ask themselves also think about it like Anytime we've flown in the airport together, like Hussain gets pulled out over and searched, like every time, head to toe, every time. When he was coming back from Pakistan, he got held at the airport for like 19 hours. Like the, ty- the type of racism that is happening towards Muslims in this country every day is barbaric. So, yeah, I just wish there was more education out there. So, I'm glad that we're doing our part as far as diabetics go to educate a little bit more about this specific holiday so that we can all be a little bit more mindful of those Muslim people in our lives, because I can guarantee that there are people who listen to this podcast who have friends who are Muslim and they don't know that they're Muslim because that person Mm. hasn't disclosed it for whatever reason, or they're afraid to or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think, you know, if we're going to continue to perpetuate the idea, you know, for people with diabetes that whatever dream you have for your life is, is in reach, you know, if that is, practicing Ramadan uh, or celebrating Ramadan, do that, do that your way. You know what I mean? And I think that's uh, an important part of, of what we have to do, uh, you know, continuing to just talk about different lifestyles and understand that people have different goals and want to do different things and they should be able to do that. And, you know, just like you are, just like, uh, the man who, who messaged me is, you know, finding, finding a way to make Ramadan work around diabetes.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for asking me about it. I, um, I almost included that in my caption last night, but I forgot. Cause I was like, man, I, cause I, I really cried when you asked me to write it. Like nobody's ever asked me before. Like nobody seems to care. Like they're just like, Oh, there's Eritrea doing her thing. And so to have someone be like, Hey, this is actually something that we should talk about and it's important. And like, I don't know, that was really beautiful. So I appreciate that, Rob. I appreciate the opportunity to share this special uh, holiday with our platform and have other Muslims be a part of our platform. And I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I didn't I didn't do much, yet, you know, so I think having that space, uh, we have this platform, let's have these conversations. That's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, I think it really helped. I got to give credit to my my good friend Muyad, uh for educating me on Ramadan and, you know, and making me, and honestly making it seem and, and feel like something that you would want to be a part of and that I would want to be a part of. It's like the celebration and the mindfulness and the gratitude. It's like, man, this is such a valuable thing. And I think more people like me who are not Muslim need to hear about it and need to understand that there's so much more to Ramadan than just fasting.
1: And Eid is cool. Eid is so awesome. We I'm so excited. We always get money. Um, Hassan's parents always give us money because we're younger, and then we have to give money to the younger. So that's how it works. Like you get a cash envelope. So it's, I love Eid. Like Ramadan Eid, all of it. Give me all nothing, of it. Nothing
0: you like better than cash in an envelope. Hey, right?
1: all I love is that money. I just <laughs> shut up. I hate you. Uh, we
0: we had. I, yeah. I, anyway, I, I think uh, it it's cool. I, I hope that uh, you know other communities and are ready to. Start celebrating things like Eid, things that bring people together, things that make people happy. Like you said, kids running around, hanging out with each other. Um, I'm hopeful that those things are going to be all coming back soon. We still got a little ways to go. And, um, you know, obviously want to continue to be safe, but um, I'm excited for little things like that, that. It doesn't have to always be a huge mountaintop moment, but just Absolutely. the community getting together, having a good time, and celebrating something worthwhile.
1: Yeah. We had a bunch of other things happen in April, not just
0: Ramadan other stuff. Yeah, we did.
1: <laughs> You're just like looking at me like, what?
0: <laughs> no, I, um, I think it's important. You know, we, this week, especially I, I put out a statement on my Instagram. I don't want to go too far into it as much, but just, you know, advocating for access to affordable insulin for people with diabetes is important. to uh, this pod is important to me and, you know, beyond type one wrote a letter on the other side of that. Uh, I don't agree with that. And I put that, that, um, statement out. So if you want to know, like how we feel about that, people deserve access to insulin point blank, full stop and whatever, we, whatever we can do to, you know, advocate and, and tell people that, and to continue to push that agenda forward we're going to continue to do it. I actually have an email in my inbox with some representatives to uh, email some stuff to in Texas. So that's what I'm going to be doing sometime this weekend. And that work is not super sexy and it's not super exciting and not a mountaintop moment, uh, but it's very important. And I think that the people who are doing that kind of grassroots advocacy on the front lines, uh, I, you know, I look up to you guys and have a ton of respect for you. So I want to continue to support those people. So anyway, access to insulin is a human right we got to continue to push that until uh until everybody can get it for free
1: absolutely we all deserve insulin if we need it like it shouldn't be something that's legitimately killing folks um there's a worldwide problem not just here so um definitely there are people who are always letting us know about the bad things that the orgs are doing and i absolutely do sometimes appreciate it but sometimes it can be a lot so for, for people who were getting like a lot of it i just i feel for you guys um i appreciate all the work that you do behind the scenes i think that's kind of something that like you said isn't sexy so a lot of people don't get to see all the work that you're doing and it i feel a lot of compassion for you because people do come for you and a lot of our friends and i just feel like ah man, like sometimes it's just not fair so oh don't
0: feel bad for me i'm good but um, <laughs> he's like i don't need your pity <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i really don't but I, you know i think at the same time like it just um I think over that you gotta you gotta do what's right, and you gotta stand up for what you believe in, even when people that you work with or you're close to uh, disagree. Uh, and at the same time, you don't just you know drop and run or you know abandon those people. And you know, in this in this instance, that was an option. We explored that um, absolutely. You know, and um, you know, right now, I'm just I'm not in a position to. Or I'm, my my position that I took is that I'm gonna stay in uh, and use my voice to to try to be heard and you know hopefully make a difference for people so
1: absolutely uh, and and I think you are you know I think you're doing what you can we did some other stuff in April though I wasn't talking about that but okay uh yeah, we had to we take do? over we had to take over from Jamaica that I thought was so awesome Alexia is an amazing person and did such a great job um what her- go
0: Alexia <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is it big up yourself that's the only thing I know how to say and I feel so inappropriate saying it <laughs> I don't big know up, why.
0: yeah! Big up yourself, Alexia. That's uh, oh I can't wait to post that episode. Uh, the Jamaica love was so much fun.
1: What is the? Can you give me your best? Uh, what is it? Shet Banks? Is it Shet Hanks? Shet like? Hanks? Uh, yeah, give me your best. Give me your best white boy uh-uh. summer.
0: No, 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 you're not getting that, no. that out of me. I know better. I want than
1: that. The, I want that little uh, that voice clip so I can replay it to you yeah. all the time.
0: No, 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 no. Not gonna get that out of no? me. Not not today.
1: So, is it a white boy summer for you? I don't, I don't even uh, you know what that you explain your culture to me, please?
0: Is that my <laughs> culture? I need to learn more about it. I I don't know. I think uh, if white, if white boy summer is uh, wearing short shorts and nineties tees, then yeah, absolutely. It is a, it is a white boy summer, I guess. Oh but, my God. Uh, I don't know. That'll be interesting.
1: But yeah, so that takeover was amazing her recap is coming so you guys will be able to watch it on our Instagram TV stories. Um, That's like on the grid thing. Uh, Her blog is up though so if you want to read that and then we also did did, do an interview with Miss Sydney Williams. That was awesome. She talked to us all about her hiking her feelings. Um, Her Instagram is hiking your feelings. I think she's great. Um, her and she also was-
0: did a, a a cool challenge called take a hike diabetes, uh, and it's still going on. They're trying to hike a million miles, uh, for type one diabetes or di- diabetes research, not just type mm-hmm. one, but diabetes in general, diabetes awareness. Um, that yeah, really awesome. Uh, Sydney's super cool. I'm not a huge hiker, but I do occasionally will dabble, but
1: I can't believe you don't hike. You're so tall. Can't you just like walk a mile and I don't know, five, I don't know, like three minutes, just huge step after huge step
0: just, I don't know. I'm not a super outdoorsy guy. I'd love, I like to pretend to be one, but I'm just, you know,
1: just the basketball court. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure. I'm, I, uh, I like to, I'm a, I'm a city boy for sure. You're
1: Such a bougie person. (laughs) He's so bougie. You probably go glamping.
0: I sleep, I sleep on a bed. I like to sleep on a bed. What do you mean? Is that, is that bougie sleeping on a bed? Maybe
1: No, but I'm just saying like, you don't know anything about hiking. Like even I know about you don't have like Chacos or hiking shoes or Erica has
0: Chacos. I've given, you know, I'm embarrassed of them, but uh, I don't like people's feet. I don't like seeing feet. Fe- feet are nasty.
1: I think it's because you're so tall that you don't have to see your own feet all the time. Maybe. Is that okay. what it is? Well, so? I'm not,
0: I'm not, I'm not far enough away from my feet that I don't see Are you them. sick
1: of my tall jokes? Okay,
0: I'll stop. It's fine. But no, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know what I, I don't, you know, uh, April was fine. Uh, I'm cl- uh you know, we're going to continue, continue to move forward. Got a great episode. It's, it's keeps getting, uh, put through, keeps uh, getting put through like re- legal review because there's uh, we've I've got to change a couple of things, but we got a great episode coming up with Chris Leeper. Uh, it'll it'll be dropping here in May. And
1: uh, great takeover coming from Sydney Williams happening next week. Another great takeover we're going to be doing is a Ramadan takeover. So our dear friend Noor Aramahi will be taking over the account. Um, surprisingly, Noor is in Jordan right now. She is an American. She uh, actually has been living all over the United States, traveling with her kids. Like, you know how a lot of people did that during quarantine. So she's been doing that with her kids. um, And now she's in Jordan for, I guess, the holiday. And so she's going to be taking over our account and telling us about how she fasts um, all the way in Jordan. So that's going to be super cool. I'm really excited for that.
0: Me too. I love when we go global. I love seeing people, how people live uh, around the world. It's always so similar.
1: Hey, and I'm going global now, so y'all gonna have to catch me. I'm gonna be all over the place. So
0: yeah, where are you going? Because uh, we, I just took my first trip. I went to Florida, the exotic land of Florida. But um, oh my god, uh, where are you going? What's uh give us the um, uh, Eritrea travel update?
1: I'm going to Seattle in a few weeks to uh, see my DBFF. So I have a diabetic best friend forever. Her name's Taylor. Shout out Taylor. Um, she had a baby. Um, on New Year's Eve. Oh my gosh, have fun. I know she had a baby on New Year's Eve and I have not met her newborn. And like she and I are literally like this. So we're just so close. It's crazy to me that I haven't met her baby. Um, So I'm going up there as soon as possible to meet him. Uh, I just booked my flight today. And then I also booked my flight to Cairo. So I'll be in Egypt on November 19th. I'll be in Egypt for about a week and a half. And then I'll be in Germany the other half. And I'll be back in Dallas in December. So I'm really excited to see all my family, see my little sister, hang out. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. that will be probably be, cool. probably be more places between then, but I'm really stoked about Egypt guys. Like I'm so excited. Have you, you said you've been to the middle East. Have you been? That's
0: I've never Africa. been. I almost got to go. Um, my friend Miriam's family lives in Egypt and I almost went just for the holidays with, with them one year. Um, but no, I've never been I always wanted to go.
1: You're married now. I'd be like, come through, bro.
0: Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Uh, Eric and I are trying to figure out what our honeymoon's gonna look like. So one of these days. I was about to say one of these days we'll take one.
1: Y'all need to Ritz Carlton it out.
0: (laughs) Uh yeah. Those are my that's my love language. Uh (laughs) Mr. Bougie over here. We'll Uh, see what happens
1: in May. It's gonna be a good month. I'm excited for all the diabetics doing things to come
0: yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. We're going to keep on doing this. Uh, and you know, above all, I think, uh, just keep on doing things, keep on building each other up and we'll see you guys next month. Bye.